It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, sometimes historic individual performances just aren't enough to win in the NBA. I'm not going to say the Sacramento Kings wasted Buddy Heald's tremendous night last night because basketball is a team game. And you need more than just one guy carrying you if you're going to be successful in the NBA. The Kings and the Celtics split the season series one game apiece. After the Kings fall to Boston 103-102, to the Celtics get revenge for their one-point loss in Sacramento with a one-point win inside the Garden. And now, unfortunately for all of us, the Kings and the Celtics will no longer play for the remainder of this season. The only chance we get of the Kings and Celtics playing again before next season is an NBA Finals between the Celtics and the Kings. And I can't predict that's going to happen, but I can predict that if it did happen, that series would go seven games. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings. This is your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season, all offseason from January through December. We have Sacramento Kings conversation for you, in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights with local and national experts, all this coverage centered around your Sacramento Kings. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been working in sports radio in Sacramento covering the Kings for the last five years, but have been a diehard fan of the Sacramento Kings since I was six years old. And I was at the Sacramento Kings flagship studios last night watching the game with Jason Ross, with the high flyer Henry Turner, Dave Deuce Mason, and listening to the G-Man's call. And we were all on our on the edge of our seats for the entire game, as I know many of you were, whether you're listening in your car or at home watching the game on TV. It was an incredible performance. The true winners of that game were us NBA and basketball fans. Now, I know Kings fans are a little disappointed that the Kings weren't able to beat uh, a very beatable Boston squad who was missing Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker uh, suffered a pretty significant injury, was actually stretchered off the floor due to uh, tingling in his neck after colliding his head with one of his teammates. The good news is, as we've heard today, Kemba Walker is potentially going to be returning uh, and playing for the Celtics against the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night. So always scary when there's stretcher incidents or anything like that. Uh, But Kemba sounds like he is okay, and I'm a big fan of Kemba Walker, so that makes me happy to... uh, Uh, makes me happy to hear, but the Celtics were definitely beatable, definitely beatable last night, and unfortunately the Kings could not do what Marcus Smart and the Boston Celtics failed to do in Sacramento, and that's hit a game winner uh, at the buzzer to steal a victory from the home team. We're going to talk, and I'm going to share with you the numbers from this game. Of course, we're going to dive into Buddy Heald's absolutely historic night. I got a lot of numbers and a lot of stats and a lot of accolades uh, to share with you just about what Buddy Heald uh, accomplished last night, both in Kings history and in NBA history. 
I'm going to break down for you or do my best to break down uh, the final play that the Kings tried to run. Poor execution resulting in a very tough shot for Bogdan Bogdanovich that resulted in the Kings losing. Uh, try and answer the question, why was Harry Giles in the game so much in the fourth quarter? And Rashawn Holmes sitting on the bench. Also want to share some praise uh, to Harrison Barnes uh, and uh, talk a little bit more about him. I've been kind of neglecting talking about him here on the Lockdown Kings podcast, not for any reason other than I just haven't been giving him the praise and the respect that he deserves so far based off the way he has been playing uh, this season. Also, the Kings are moving up in the power rankings. They consistently have been moving up. Uh, So we'll discuss that. And they have a pretty decent stretch of games coming up, including the Texas Triangle, which is right around the corner. So we're going to discuss all that, try and squeeze all that in here on a bit of a shorter episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. I apologize about that. Also stay tuned because at the end of this podcast, I'm going to share with you what we're going to be doing for tomorrow's podcast uh, and letting you know about the days that we have off due to uh, Thanksgiving. So sound good? Let's get all of this in and we'll start with the, uh, the number from last night's Kings and Celtics battle. How about we start with the team's overall records? Now the Kings, 7-9 and nine on the season after the 103-102 loss to the Boston Celtics, who are now 12-4, and four, still towards the top of the Eastern Conference. Look at the shooting numbers for both of these teams, Boston and the Kings relatively even. Boston 44% shooting from the field, the Kings 46%. Uh, Boston shot 23% from three-point range, the Kings shot 38%. 18 of 47, 18 three-pointers, and 11 of them were made by one Buddy Heald. The big difference between both these teams and the biggest edge uh, for the Boston Celtics in terms of shooting percentage and shooting numbers are at the free-throw line. Boston got to the line 23 times, converted on 20 of them for 87% from the field, or from the charity stripe, and the Sacramento Kings only made it to the line 15 times, connected on 10 of them for 66%. Looking at the rebounding numbers, both these teams relatively even. The Kings lost by two, 38 to 36 total. Uh, Boston did have 11 offensive rebounds to the Kings' eight. Kings moved the ball really, really well, though. 28 assists, Boston just with 20. But here is where this game uh, changes, and here is where Boston had enough of an edge uh, to win this game, and that's in steals and forcing turnovers. 10 steals for the Boston Celtics. They forced Sacramento to turn the ball over 17 times and scored 14 points off of those 17 turnovers. Meanwhile, the Kings forced 12 Boston turnovers and scored 13 points. Off of them, so many steals to the Boston Celtics, and a majority a majority of them came in the second quarter. And when the Kings were up by 11 points, about midway through uh, the second quarter, and Boston all of a sudden picked up the pressure defensively, uh, deflected a lot of passes, got out in transition, completely took the Kings out of their early offensive flow, uh, and didn't let the Kings set up with their half court defense. And that's what allowed Boston to to negate the good strong start for the Kings and get back into the game. I point directly at their steal numbers as the reason why they were able to hold on and get this victory here. Now the Kings did finish with eight block shots, so the rim protection continues to be solid, and it was a team effort. Rashawn Holmes finished with two blocks. He had a block from Harrison Barnes, a block from Bielitsa, even a block from Buddy Heald, a block from Bogey, a block from Justin James, and a block from Harry Giles. So a very uh, good team utility blocking and rim protection effort last night, uh, which was great to see. But of course, now let's talk about the individual numbers and the individual performances. I'm going to save Buddy for last. 
Got to talk about the uh, the dynamic duo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who combined for 44 points. They led the way and did a nice job making up for uh, Kyrie's absence, as did Marcus Smart, who provided 17 points offensively. And, of course, we know what he does on the defensive end of the floor. I thought Marcus Smart was great. 7 of 12 shooting from the field. Uh, did only go 1 of 4 from three-point range. But the Celtics, as a team, did what they needed to do to make up for the absence of of Kemba Walker, who you remember in Sacramento had a decent game, but Corey Joseph did an excellent job defending him, uh, and that's why the Kings were able to get their win uh, in Sacktown. As for the Boston bench, relatively light. It was really the starters that got the job done. They also got 13 points uh, from Ennis Cantor. Sacramento was led by 20 points from Harrison Barnes. He went uh, 5 of 9 from the field, 3 of 5 from three-point range. He's been shooting the ball really well recently. I'll talk more about him uh, later on in the podcast. Went 7 of 10 from the free-throw line. Uh, another near double-double for Rashawn Holmes. Uh, he turned in a good game once again. Uh, and then Bogdan Bogdanovich struggled, unfortunately. 13 points off the bench, 5 of 20 from the field, 2 of 13 from three-point range. But the Kings made up for it by, because of one man. And that was Buddy Heald. 15 of 26 from the field, 11 of 21 from three-point range. Buddy Heald scored 21 points in the third quarter alone, finished with a career-high 41 points, and he is just the 10th player in NBA history to score 11 three-pointers in a single game. I was talking to Dave Deuce Mason. He was sharing some stats and some numbers with us before the Kings radio broadcast. And he shared that the last time the Kings beat the Celtics in Boston, it was in 2007. And the Kings went only 2 of 10 from three-point range. The Kings took 10 total three-pointers in that win in Boston. Buddy Heald took 21 threes. Buddy Heald took over two times the amount of threes that the Kings as a whole, the whole Kings team, shot back in 2007, and he made more threes than the Kings shot. That's crazy, and that right there shows you the difference between the NBA game today and how it was played back in 2007. And I always find myself daydreaming and wondering. Now, Peja wasn't on that 2007 team, but I find myself wondering what would it have been like for Peja Stojakovic to play in the NBA with how it's played today? What would it have been like for Mike Bibby to play in this shoot-first, shoot-from-three-point-range style uh, of NBA? You gotta wonder. It's interesting to compare eras and and picture guys who excelled shooting then and imagine what they could do now. Ray Allen is considered to be one of the best three-point shooters of all time. Same thing with Steve Kerr. Both of those guys played for the most part before, well, Steve Kerr definitely. Ray Allen, his career kind of ended right before the the three-point era took off. But imagine those two guys playing consistently in today's NBA. It's pretty crazy to think about. But Buddy Heald joins a very, very uh, significant company. Again, just the 10th person, the 10th person in NBA history to make 11 three-pointers in a single game. Of course, that's a Sacramento Kings franchise record as well. And here are a lot of uh, extra numbers for you just to provide some context of what Buddy Heald accomplished last night. This is from Alex Krammers, who, of course, a longtime writer for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, He said that was Buddy Heald's 10th game with at least seven made threes. That's more than Mitch Richmond, Pesha Stojakovic, and Mike Bibby combined during their Sacramento tenures. 
Uh, Mitch Richmond had four games with seven made threes. Peja had three games with seven made threes. And Bibby had two games with seven made threes. Buddy has ten of them, more than the three of them combined. That's pretty crazy uh, to think about. Also, uh, continuing, Buddy Heald, after the game, said this. It said, it's hard to do it in this league, talking about scoring 41 points. Uh, but he will not discredit his accomplishment. But he also said, quote, I'll have another crack at it, and hopefully I'll get a W. So Buddy Heald, obviously proud of his accomplishment, proud of his career high, uh, but wishes that he could get it done uh, in the win. Here's another stat provided uh, by Tim Maxwell that I thought was an interesting angle to look at. In Buddy Heald's eight career games against the Boston Celtics, he's averaged 21.1 points per game and made 51.3% of his three-pointers, which is the highest mark in both categories versus any other opponent. The Celtics, they selected Jalen Brown ahead of Buddy Heald in the 2016 draft. And then uh, Tim continued to say that Heald loves himself some revenge. So certainly Heald could play that revenge narrative in his game uh, or in his head that the uh, Celtics decided to take Brown over him and he's going to prove that he would have been the better pick. Uh, which led me to, I thought, an interesting question here. And this is a hard question that I myself have been trying to answer. Who would you take? Who would you take right now? Would you keep Buddy Heald on the Kings, or would you rather the Kings have Jalen Brown? I honestly understand arguments for both. Buddy Heald is the more talented scorer and more talented uh, shooter above and beyond. I would argue that Jalen Brown is the more talented all-around player, better defender, obviously, um, probably more athletic and better at scoring around the rim. And on top of that, Jalen Brown has had playoff experience, and Buddy Heald has not. So I ask you, who would you rather have, Buddy Heald or Jalen Brown, with all the context of what we have uh, and what we know here today? So let me know. Reach out to me on Twitter and, and answer that question at MattGeorgeKHDK. You can DM me or just tweet there to me, or you can email me at any time, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I would love to hear from you there. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So back in Sacramento, when the Kings beat the Boston Celtics by one point, it was Marcus Smart who had a chance to win the game with a runner in the lane that bounced on the rim a couple of times and just fell out, much to the excitement of the Kings. Unfortunately, compared to Bogdan Bogdanovich's attempted game winner last night, it was a much better shot. Bogey's shot was, I, I have to imagine, coming out of that timeout with uh, around five seconds remaining, that Luke Walton was not looking for a turnaround fadeaway in the corner with absolutely no spacing. 
unfortunately, and full credit to the Boston Celtics, they did what they needed to do. They closed out on Kings shooters, denied them the basketball, made sure the Kings spacing was not uh, was not there. The Kings weren't spread out enough to try and get a look uh, inside and get a two-pointer to win the game. Instead, they forced a very, very difficult turnaround three-pointer that just fell out. You could see what the Kings were trying to do as Bogey uh, had a screen set up for him, although the screen was not set in time uh, to where Marcus Smart was able to work his way around it and be there to get a hand in Bogey's face for a wild turnaround jumper uh, that was nowhere close. Unfortunately, the Kings weren't even able to get the ball into the hands of Buddy Heald, who you would have liked to see take that final shot based off of how well he was shooting, although I fully believe that even if the ball did get into Buddy's hands, Boston would have been right there uh, to make sure that he could not get that clean of a look off. Would he have made it? Who knows? We'll never know. But Buddy Heald was certainly not wide open, and you got to give credit to the Boston Celtics for that. Another thing that I found myself questioning during the fourth quarter of last night's game is why in the world Harry Giles played eight and a half straight minutes and Rashawn Holmes sat on the bench for so long. I think that had a direct impact on the Kings not able, uh, not being able to win this game. Harry Giles didn't play a single second until the fourth quarter, started the, first, uh, the fourth quarter and played eight minutes and 33 seconds straight. And during that eight minute, 33 second stretch, finished with four points, went two of three from the field, which is good, I guess, finished with a rebound, but also foul, got three personal fouls, did get a steal uh, and a block shot. So he wasn't useless by any means, but you can see the holes still in Harry Giles's game. And you could see, at least in my opinion, you could see that Harry is just not ready for that kind of spot. He's just not. As of right now, he's not ready for that spot. And his canter uh, pretty much manhandled him on both ends of the floor. He looked lost. He looked frustrated. Did get a couple of good looks set up by his teammates, which was nice. Of course, he has that incredible passing ability, although did not finish uh, with any assists in this game. But he just was not ready for this spot. And I think the Kings hurt themselves and Luke Walton hurt himself and hurt his team uh, by keeping Harry in for such a long period of time. I said on yesterday's Locked on Kings podcast that I thought that the Kings weren't going to risk winning or losing basketball games in order to give Harry Giles the opportunity to develop and show what he can do. Well, this is a good example of why they don't want to uh give Harry Giles that opportunity. And I'm not trying to be too harsh on Harry uh, because he wa- it, he's not the reason that the Kings lost by any means, but the Kings would have been much better off playing Rashawn Holmes and Dwayne Dedman uh, more minutes down that stretch. I understand Holmes may have been tired, but he spent a lot of time on the bench in the fourth quarter. And as far as we know, he is completely healthy. Uh, and that had an impact on the Kings not able to come up with stops and not being able to secure rebounds, which also led to Boston being able to close out this game and win by one point. Unfortunately, Harry's just not ready for that spot. And it showed last night. I do want to give credit, though, to Harrison Barnes and share some love for Harrison Barnes. Harrison has had back-to-back really good shooting performances. As I mentioned earlier, went 3 of 5 from 3-point range, uh, finished with 20 points for the Kings, which is just behind Buddy Heald. Only 21 points behind Buddy Heald, but he was the second-highest scorer uh, for the Sacramento Kings. He's been solid all year long, and that doesn't just mean uh, that... I'm not just looking at his scoring numbers and his offensive output. And look, Harrison Barnes is not the ideal player to go out if you play fantasy basketball because he's not going to fill up a stat sheet. But he's a consistent wing defender that the Kings have lacked for quite some time. 
He's the best small forward the Kings have had absolutely since Rudy Gay. Many critics saw the amount of money that the Sacramento Kings paid him to retain him this offseason and rolled their eyes, pointed their fingers, and laughed at it, saying that Harrison Barnes wasn't worth that kind of money uh, and that he was ultimately going to disappoint the Kings rather than uh, live up to their expectations. And I can say without a doubt through uh, the early part of this season, Harrison Barnes absolutely has not disappointed the Kings and has lived up to uh, their expectations. He's been giving them what they expect and what they want from him on a nightly basis. It's no coincidence that he's consistently on the floor uh, when the Kings need defensive stops and the Kings have been a much better defensive team this year as they've been in years past. A lot of that has to do with Harrison Barnes and his leadership and his activity on the defensive end of the floor. I tweeted out after the Washington Wizards game that the that Rashawn Holmes, Nemanja Bielitsa, and Bogdan Bogdanovich have absolutely been the big three for the Kings this season. And I felt like afterwards, after I tweeted that out, I was disrespecting Harrison Barnes because he's been just as important at times as all three of them and has had an impact in maybe every single game that the Kings have won uh, so far. In terms of consistency, I'd put him and Nemanja Bialica at the top with what they've been able to deliver uh, throughout this season, both in wins and in losses. Uh, so I wanted to give that credit to Harrison Barnes because it is more than due. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. You can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. And if you're listening on the go and you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Taking a look at the upcoming stretch of games for the Sacramento Kings, it begins with a tough matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow, uh, then a meeting with the Denver Nuggets, then they play the Bulls and the Blazers, two very winnable games there, before they start the dreaded Texas Triangle, where they'll take on the Spurs, the Mavericks, and the Rockets before returning back to Sacramento. Three very talented teams, and I did not expect the Spurs to be the worst out of the three, but that might be the most winnable game with how well the Dallas Mavericks are playing and, of course, how dangerous the Houston Rockets are. The Kings have struggled to beat the Houston Rockets uh, at all in recent memory. So that'll certainly be a tough test for this team. But despite last night's loss, their play has been gaining more attention and more respect from around the league, proving that the 0-5 start was more of a fluke than this team's success last season. The defense, like I mentioned, is improving, and the Kings are managing to still be successful and to tread water and hover around 500, despite the fact that they are missing De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. Looking at the power rankings, the updated power rankings today, the Kings are up to between 18 and 14 on every single major power ranking. I saw most power rankings having the Kings at 15. That included ESPN's and Sports Illustrated's uh, power rankings. So right around the sweet spot, right around the middle of the NBA, which I think is exceptional based off of how this team started and the injury issues that they are battling right now. If you want to respond to anything that we talked about on today's Locked on Kings podcast, please, please do so. Again, answer that question. Who would you rather have, Buddy Heald or Jalen Brown? Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHDK or email me mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. Also want to share uh, an update with you just so you're aware of what's happening throughout the remainder of this week. Tomorrow's podcast is going to be a bit different. It's not going to be uh, in the morning or early afternoon before the Sixers game. I'm actually going to record the podcast 
after that game has concluded because on Thursday and Friday and for the remainder of the week following tomorrow, we will not have any more Locked on Kings podcasts, of course, because of the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be definitely not recording a podcast on uh, on Thursday and due to traveling, I will not be uh, available to record on Black Friday. So again, tomorrow's podcast will be after the Kings and the 76ers play in Philadelphia. So make sure you stay tuned for that. I look forward to chatting with you then. Until next time, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.